the biggest part of life, whether you're young or old, don't listen to no one. Don't listen to no one's negativity. I don't care if it's your parents. If you have passion and a love, do it. You're listening to Hawk Talk, a podcast all about the origin stories of the most interesting people in the world. Today, you know our guests as famous athletes, authors, and entrepreneurs, but there's so much more to this story. Let's get into today's interview with your host, Eric Huberman. All right, here we go. Thank you for listening to Hawk Talk. We're here with Lou Lombardi. How are you? Hey, how are you? Good to have you, man. So before becoming one of the most recognizable actors out there that's been in everything, I just, you know, I love to start with, I assume that like four years old, five years old, where you grew up, like you probably, were you in the drama club? Like, was that part of your upbringing? Like, would love to hear, how did you get there? <laughs> if, if you talk about the streets of the Bronx being the yeah. drama club, then I was in it my whole life. So there was a lot of drama. <laughs> Yeah, a lot of drama, a lot of everything. <laughs> but growing up where I lived, you know, no one really understands like anything but the streets, you know? So as a kid, I mean, I have headshots from when I was 12 years old. Yeah. And when people now look at them, they're like, because they go, oh, wow, you just got on Sopranos, you're famous now. It's like, yeah. no, I've been doing this for 40 years. I'm 52. Yeah. I have headshots for 40 years you ago. Were, you were acting as a kid. 12, 10, 12 years old, yeah. But what I did was, growing up, I never went to school. Uh-huh. So what I, you know, no one, none of our friends really went to school. So what I did was I started doing, I would send my stuff out to NYU films. I'm sure you're familiar with that. Yep. And I never went to acting school. I never went to film school. I never went to any school. I went to like fifth or sixth grade, you know? Yeah. But I knew I always wanted to do since I was a kid. But to take a step back, where were your parents from? How did you wait? How did you end up in the Bronx? Well, my whole family's from Harlem, and they all migrated to the Bronx. So, you know, when I was a young kid, my father died. So it was just my mother bringing us up. And how and old? And two or three. Oh. Yeah. So in the Bronx, I stood with these four or five kids who I, who I lived in the same building with, and none of them had fathers. That's what my TV series is about, the one I'm doing with MGM. Yeah. Called Small Time. It's about my life growing up in the Bronx and these kids with no fathers who bound together yeah. to become their own little family. And each one of us had, I don't say connections, but our families were involved in a kind of life. So everyone knew us. We were kind of strong group of guys together, but we were our own little team. We looked out for each other since no one, we, you know, we didn't have fathers. We would be out all night. We'd be playing sports. None of us went to school, you know, so we just hung out. And that's how... Like, I always wanted to be an actor from 10 years old, and they would make fun of me. You want to be an actor? Ha, ha, yeah, Hollywood, asshole. I'd be like, what? Don't make sense, right? Yeah. What happened was those people who laughed at me all got 25 years in prison, and they're all filtering out now as I've been the 25, 27-year run in Hollywood. Yeah, for what? Like, what kind of stuff that took these guys away? Well, let's go backwards first. Let's go back to the point A. All right, so how I got involved was I never went to school, never did anything. As a kid, I would go down to Manhattan. I would audition for NYU films. And what happened was I got in so many of them yeah. that that was my, like, and I would tell people, you really can't learn an acting class. You got to be on, you got to be in the real world of it. You know, it's like the business world. You're in the trenches. You learn faster. Anything, correct? So what I would do is I would audition for NYU films and student films and all these films. And I would get so many. So I started being passed around by all the filmmakers at NYU. Like, yeah. you know, what is you do a film? He does a film. She does a film. Well, you yeah. know what? Everyone's doing a film. I had so much fun doing it that that's how I learned hands-on, on real sets at, 10, at 11, 12, 13, 15, 17 years old. Yeah. And what happened was from sending my stuff out to backstage, it used to be a magazine. I think it's on, uh, online now, if, if I'm correct. But we just sent our headshots out. That's how I got Amongst Friends. Amongst Friends was my first film, but I had gotten it 
two years before anything. We an independent nothing film in New York. Mira Savino was the casting person. Yeah. She cast me. She was no one. Her dad put in ten grand. She was associate producer in this Monk Friends movie. Well, anyway, we went in. We auditioned for that film after my slew of NYU films. Got this film. And two years later, the film went to Sundance Film Festival, 1993. Wow. So no one. Yeah, and, and that year with us, that's when film when Sundance was a film festival, not a film market, which it became. Right. We went there the year I was there. The group of filmmakers that came out with us that year alone: Robert Rodriguez, Jennifer Lynch, Brian Singer, Rob Weiss. I mean, there was seven major film. Chris McQuarrie, who writes all those movies, you know, for Tom Cruise and every biggest writer. I won an Academy Award to Usual Suspects. Yeah. So my point is, is we did this film in New York. Yep. All my buddies got arrested in 1991 to 93. The director goes, hey, we're going to Sundance with our movie. I'm like, what Sundance? No one knew. I got my car. There was no one around. Everyone went to jail. We ended up taking a drive across country, went from the Bronx, whatever. I had like $5,000 in a car that I bought, right? Yeah. And I, a Maxima. So I drove it across country, got to LA, got Mira Savino, and we all drove to Sundance together from LA. Yep. Yep. And then boom. That's how she got started. Robert Redford saw her in Amongst Friends, put her in Quiz Show from a Sundance. Yeah. And boom, that was her career. It was almost by accident, too, because they couldn't find the girl when she was casting. They couldn't find the girl. So they were like, at the last minute, goes, why don't you do it? You know the lines you're casting. She got in the movie that way, and that's what made her famous. Wow. By accident. An Oscar winning. Not every, everything is not by accident. It's by chance. Yeah. And I believe as long as you keep knocking on the door, a door will open. Yep. Whether it's today or whether it's 20 years. And the show that I'm pitching, Small Time, the one we're doing now with MGM, you know how long I've been pitching that, Eric? Yeah. I'll save you, 22 years. And we just signed a deal yesterday. My people are like, you're right. insane. You're so tenacious. You don't stop. Right, because once you stop, there's no opportunity. Yeah. No matter how many. And failure is not not succeeding. It's not trying. Yep. And I tell all you, even in acting, oh, it's so hard. What's easy? Tell me, because I want to go do exactly. it. Exactly. And I'll be on my couch. And yeah. I'll be in Palm Springs and I'll be like you behind the throne behind you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, like my favorite thing about that is everybody talks about like hard work gets you there. It's like hard work's kind of just a level set. Like if you want to be successful, you got to work hard. Like that's where it starts. Nobody's successful because they worked hard. That doesn't what drive success, but working hard is a prerequisite to being successful. Right. So, right. Yeah. yeah. Working hard, luck, working hard, yep. luck, and, and being good at what you do. And it's not about being great. Passion supersedes knowledge sometimes. Yep. Because if you can talk to people and they'll follow and they'll believe what your passion is, they will come. If you're trying to explain to people who don't really grasp a concept with knowledge, sometimes you flutter them. They're like, oh, uh, uh, it's, let me think about it, kind of mentality. But yeah. if I sit in a room and go, boom, we're going to do this, and you bring passion instead of book smarts, it works sometimes 100 times as, as good as, not, as book knowledge. People are emotional creatures, man. They justify emotions with logic, but they definitely, people, I don't care how educated you are, people are run by emotions. And if you can, right. like, if you can transfer that enthusiasm, which is what they say, a sale is a transfer from, of enthusiasm from one person to another. If you're good at selling, at transferring that enthusiasm, their emotions are going to kick in. People, and it's right. every that way. So that, no, definitely. So let's take a step back. All your okay. friends are in jail. What well, my, grandfa my grandfather did 30 straight years in prison. For what? <laughs> well, it was part of like the French Connection. That's where the movie was made about the whole his whole ball his buddies. Uh -huh. That's what my show hits on as well. Or like us being kids and going through this. You know, I've been visiting the federal prison system since I'm five. Yeah. And I have pictures of it. And then they show five until 45. 
and that's yeah. how long I've been in the system. Wow. Not directly, but indirectly. You got make sense? Yeah. You know, visiting yeah. on my grandfather. So my grandfather did 30 straight years. My uncles did 10. My cousins did five. My All my friends did 25 to 30. So when I wanted to be an actor, they told me I was crazy. So get ready for this, Eric. I used to get phone calls from my grandfather from old, I was like a legend in the federal prison system. And every time he would, they would be watching Sopranos, I was the cop. Yeah. <laughs> They'd be like, at, at 24, yeah. I was the cop. Yeah. They'd be like, you're playing a cop and everything. And as they, my grandfather would get on the phone and bust my balls, they would yeah. pass me around to all my buddies in the prison watching the TV, watching oh, Sopranos. Yeah. So they, they'd be like, you're the cop. And you hear all the prisoners laughing and cheering me on. And yeah. I'd be like, that's pretty cool. Yeah. God forbid I ever go to federal prison, I'll be all right. <laughs> yeah. No, and it's funny. Like, it, it's such, it's, it, again, it shows, like, in terms of upbringing, like, you were brought up, like, everybody was going to jail. And you're the weird one for wanting to go do something in acting. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I took so much shit. Yo, you asshole, you Hollywood jerk off. I was like, what? <laughs> Meanwhile, now, dude, they all call me and go, oh, we're so proud of you. We watched you on this. We didn't know you were in that. I'm like, yeah, that asshole made it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Again, the biggest part of life, whether you're young or old, don't listen to no one. Don't listen to no one's negativity. I don't care if it's your parents. If you have passion and a love, do it. Yep. And I did with no education, with no money, with no, I didn't know one person in Hollywood you know, I yep. just showed up with passion and enthusiasm so and it worked. No, and it, it worked amazingly. Again, like you're one of those, like everybody's seen your face. Everybody, you know, you mentioned Lou Lombardi. A lot of people know the name, but the moment you show a picture, it's like, oh, got it. I know who this is. Right. Uh, well, that's good. You've been, in, you've been in everything. And so you had the movie that got into Sundance, got you out there. Did you stay in LA after that or what happened next? Well, what happened was as soon as I went to Sundance, our movie screened and it was a hit. It was a massive, massive hit, okay? Yeah. I got an agent right there in Sundance. This is when it was more real. Like, you know, now it's like it's impossible to do half the stuff, but you yeah. still got to work a million times harder. But yeah. then it was a little it was a little different to business, Sundance especially. You yeah. know, agents were going there for talent, writers, directors, actors. Now it's about acquisitions of film. Yeah. Oh, they, this little movie was just made with uh, Oliver Stone, uh, uh, you know, Brad Pitt's in it. It's like, okay, it's not a little movie compared to when you're taking your mom's credit card and spending, you know, $200,000 on a movie and you're broke from Iowa. That's yeah. a movie. That's that's hard. So yeah. anyway, it's traded. And so what I did was after Sundance, it was a big hit. We did great. I drove back to L.A. Yeah. And the writer, Rob Weiss, was the writer-director of the movie. He's like, yo, bro, we had no car, right? And he's like, hey, I need a ride to Santa Monica. I got to go see Oliver Stone. He wants to talk to me about doing a movie. He's like, can you give me a ride? I'm like, now growing up, I wasn't, I'm, I'm a, I like Scorsese. I like Coppola. I like film. Oliver Stone was my idol. I read his books. Every film that he does, I want to represent my body of work, how I want to direct and write. Realistic, crazy, hard is more of an Oliver Stone mindset and what I want to create. Okay, yeah. my first week back in Hollywood, Rob's like, drive me. I drive to Santa Monica. I, sit, I go, I meet Oliver Stone. No union card, nothing. I'm in his yeah. office in Santa Monica. And I'm like, I'm like, hi. He's like, hey, man, uh, want to come in the meeting with us? With Rob and him. I'm in the office. He brings in Rob. He's like, come on in. I go in the meeting and I'm sitting there now my first week in Hollywood with my freaking idol. I'm yeah. like, this is, I mean, this is almost surreal. Yeah. Who's laughing? Who's the asshole now? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so I'm sitting there, but I'm quiet. I'm just watching this guy. Like, I grew up going, this is what I want to do. And I'm, my first person is him. He goes, hey, man, folks to Rob says, I want to do a movie with you. About to leave the meeting. He goes, hey, man. He starts fucking with me. He goes, who are you? I go, I'm in among friends. He goes, ah. He goes, I'm fucking with you. He goes, he goes I love your look. I'm going to put you in my next movie. I was like, 
a week in Hollywood. I'm like, what? He goes, yeah. I go, what is it? Natural Born Killers. Yeah. And a couple of weeks go by, I don't hear from him. I'm like, this full of shit, Hollywood fucker. I get a call. He goes, come to my office in Santa Monica again. I show up. In the meeting, it's Robert Downey, Woody House, and Tommy Lee Jones, Tom Sizemore, Juliette Lewis, and me. And I'm going, oh, my God. They're like, all right, we're going to have actors come in. They're going to pick a, uh, somebody to play your partner in the movie, and you're going to have say. I'm like, this was my first, like, couple of weeks in Hollywood. I had no union card. And before you know <laughs> it, I was happened that way. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, oh, but it, if it wasn't just, like, a director. Yeah. It was, like, the person you idolized is actually going to give you your break. Yep, because you'd offered a guy a ride that didn't have a car that you knew through this other movie. Like, that's what I love about the chain. And you mentioned it, like, hard work's important. A lot of luck goes into it. And don't get me wrong, you're going to create your luck. Like, if it wasn't that, you'd keep working, and a year later, something lucky would happen. Like, you keep at it. The luck comes at some point, but you hit, it hit right away for you. <laughs> and it's like, I'm sitting there, I'm, you know, it's kind of amazing. That's like, who I don't know who you ever look up to in business but it's like you you know you coming out here just walking around and this guy runs into you and says hey i'm gonna i want to use you and you're like what yeah you know it's kind of it was surreal at that moment so after i did that movie i was in chicago i was in chicago with them for three months yeah. hung out with robert downey every night i made buddies with them they were great to me i didn't even have a union card when a month he paid i got my union card to oliver stone yeah my sad card yeah. and then he flew me to new york for the premiere of amongst friends because it was that summer so it all worked out, and he ended up liking me. And after I got back, everyone was like, oh, my God, Oliver Stone hired you? Yeah. They were like, then it was immediately Tim Burton, John Landis, Ivan Reitman. I did back-to-back-to-back film. Yeah. You know, working with great directors. But what more about bigger than becoming famous, in my eyes, or an actor, I just took it as free knowledge. Look yeah. at this. I'm going to learn hands-on now, like I yeah. did NYU as an actor. And I also learned how to make movies, but now I'm in the real world with massive people that are insane and I'm learning yep. how to make movies from these people now. Yeah. So I always looked, I would tell my buddies, it's more like, to me, it's more schooling without going to school, like the way I love to learn. Yeah. Yeah. And then I excel at stuff like that. So I don't know, it just turned out I've worked with so many great directors. I did Father's Day. Oh man, I can't even tell you. Beverly Hills Cop 3, Father's Day with Robin Williams and Billy Crystal and Julia yeah. Dreyfus. Me and Jared Harris did that. I don't know if you're familiar with Jared Harris, mm -hmm. Richard Harris's son. He, he was in Chernobyl and all this stuff. Yeah, we started out like this 95, 96, you know? And then I did Usual Suspects. I did so many movies, but that was the launch of the career, being from a street kid, learning on my own. And, you know, even though I didn't go to school, I learned how to read and write on my own. I've yeah. written 30 projects and people yeah. are like who I did. Cause all I do is I learned, I used to sit down for 24 hours and just type, even if it was 10 pages. When I first met you, you had jacked. I'll never forget that. Boom. People are still uh, calling me to try to do that in New York. It's fucking great scripts. That was like right. when I first moved to LA, I had no idea what I was doing. We got introduced by Troy. <laughs> Edwards. Oi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of funny. You read that. That's even more crazy, dude. Yep. Wow. Yeah, no, that was that's fun. And no, that's, that's great. So where would you say, like, obviously that was a huge launch pad to your career, but you, you obviously ended up on many, many seasons of 24. Like, was that a big turning point or what, what was kind of the next jumping off point with your career? Well, I'll tell you, I did a movie called Suicide Kings. Uh -huh. I don't know if you're familiar with it. Yep. Suicide Kings was a movie I did, and it was all by accident. Again, another total accident. I wasn't supposed to be in it. I knew the writer-producer. He's like, Louie, would you do it? 
He goes, I was supposed to be a big role. The director didn't want me in that role. Again, when life turns, you think something punches you in the face, it's actually making you better. I did, the, the director didn't want me in the movie, hired everybody else, turns long story short, they get, my buddy's the writer producer, goes, just do one day on the movie with Dennis Leary, you're in the car, you have no lines, just say whatever. Yeah, boss is the line. It's like, okay, yeah, he's my friend. Yeah. You know, you never turn down an opportunity, you know, yeah. whether it's bitter, yeah. mad, whatever. The director didn't want me in it, whatever. It's a long story short, I'm in the movie. One day we shoot 12 hours driving in the car all night. Dennis Leary has his five-page monologues. He goes, I'm not saying any of this. He tells the director. He goes, I'm just going to improvise with this guy. The guy's like, no, I wrote all this stuff. He goes, I'm not saying any of it. I didn't even know Dennis Leary. In the yeah. trailer, he crumples the papers, throws them in the bucket, says, let's go outside. We're in the car, 12 hours, downtown LA shooting. Yeah. The director's like, yeah, none of this is going to be used. You know, we're not going to use them. He's like, okay, whatever. Six months later, I'm in 10 scenes. They took that one night and put me throughout the movie because it oh, was wow. so great. All improvised. Me and Larry just shooting shit back. And they kept everything in. They made, they actually wrote a sequel of that movie for me and Larry based on that one night. Wow. So what happened was Christopher Walken was in the movie. Yeah. His wife was George Ann Walken. She cast Sopranos. Yeah. Entourage, they did. Sheila Jaffe walking. She, she loved me in Suicide Kings and tried to get me in the first season of Sopranos. She was like, yeah, you know, let's get let's get you in. I went and I read. I ended up getting a show in Hawaii with Malcolm McDowell. Oh, nice. I know okay. childhood. Grew up, grew up with his kids. Malcolm? Yeah. Malcolm's in, Charlie was with us in Hawaii. <laughs> anyway, yep. long story short, right? Yep. Me and Malcolm got the show and we're shooting in Hawaii now. My first TV show. We're moving to Hawaii, out to shoot a fucking massive show. Yeah. Malcolm it was, a, it was the remake of Fantasy Island. Got it. So me and Mal he played Mr. Rock, I played Tattoo. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, we went to Hawaii. Charlie came out and hung out. Charlie was great. Yeah, I took he's a great guy. Crazy. I took him to see you ever talk to him? Not free. We're Facebook friends, but I haven't seen him in a while. We went to a tiny hippie school in Ohio together. Oh, oh really? Oh, re that's where they live. Yeah, exactly. That's where Malcolm lives. Yeah. Yep. So, so wait, so it was so funny because, so I, I would, Charlie would come with the other writers. I would take them to the, oh, do all the crazy shit. Malcolm would be like, why are you taking my Sunday? He's 15. So I, I would take them to you know, all, see all the under shit in, in Hawaii. <laughs> I'd yeah. just be cruising it. You want to come with me? Yeah. So I ended up loving those kids, right? So yep. about five, about, so wait, okay, wait, I go way, way off on this. So yep. anyway, We'll go back to, well, anyway, I was going to tell you a story with Charlie. To Sopranos. To Sopranos. So George Ann tried to get me on Sopranos. I got Fantasy Island. I, I auditioned for the first year of Sopranos, didn't get it, we moved to Hawaii. Shows a $50 million show, bombs for ABC. Yeah. Bombs. And I'm like, oh my God, again, the world's over. Yeah. Oh yeah, look at the world's over. I got canceled. I made, I was 30 years old, making a ton of money living in Hawaii. Got canceled. Bye. It was a disaster. I go to New York. It was Christmas time. I go, oh, fuck. All right. Got canceled. I said, I flew from Hawaii to New York to see my mom for Christmas, right? Yeah. I'm there one day. George Ann Walken finds out that I'm in New York, says, can he come in today? That day. Wow. I get there. The next day, I go to, I go to read for them. Now, I knew Gandolfini from 95, way before Sopranos. We used to hang out in L.A. all the time. Yeah. You know, all of us would hang out in all the bars and restaurants. So when I went to read, he was there. He's like, I'm reading with you. I was like, what? David Chase, everyone's in the room. Takes the side, reads one scene. There's like eight scenes. He's like, that's it. You're done. I'm like, oh, man. I just got off a failing show. But Georgian was a fan who remembered me. Yeah. From that one day of working for $500. Yeah, that's awesome. I ended up getting in the whole movie. Yeah. Now she's putting me on the biggest show in TV history. And I got in when the first season was massive. I got in on the second season when it was huge. Yeah. And I had a great role. 
And I ended up knowing Big Pussy for 35 years. Yeah. We were friends when I was a kid. So it was kind of like I'm playing in this movie, in this show. It's the biggest show. But when I got canceled, I thought the world was over. And it turned out I ended up getting the biggest break of my life called Sopranos when I did that. And it was because of the suicide case. And again, $500 started my whole TV career. I did that one day. She yeah. loved it. I got Sopranos. After Sopranos was over, I did two more pilots for like Judd Apatow. I did one for someone else, right? About two years later, I get a call from Joe Cernow, the creator of 24. And he's like, can yeah. you come in? I go, sure. He goes, now, nah, you know, I, I don't play the bad guy, you know, I don't know, whatever. He goes, hey, man, I'm in the room, I'm reading. He goes, hey, man, I just saw Sopranos. He goes, and I love you, and I want to put you on our show. As total opposite person that I really was. It's quiet, nerdy, getting yelled at by Clyde. You've seen 24. And it's the opposite of my personality. So he was like, I want to put you on my show. Probably one or two episodes. One or two episodes turned into 48. We won an Emmy for it for best cast. You know, best drama. And again, it started from $500 that one day I look at. Yeah. I didn't, if I would now if I was a bitter or said, I ain't doing it to hell with it, who knows if these opportunities would have arose. Yeah. But I did it. I was like, I want to do it because I love what I do with my friend. I said, of course, I'll help you. And I did it. And it, again, that whole, I got in the whole movie. I got Sopranos. Sopranos got me 24, all from that one day for $500. And throughout 24, did you go, were you in other movies while filming on 24, or did you wait during that period to get Well, I met Adam Sandler. Yeah. And Adam Sandler was the nicest person I've ever met in this entire business and outside of the business. So what he did was he called me in, and he's like, hey, we're doing a movie with Rob Schneider. I want to put you in it. That's, that was the audition. Yeah. He goes, yeah, I, I, he goes, I watch you on Sopranos. I love you on Sopranos, and I want to put you on. And they put me in The Animal. Yeah. And I play Rob Schneider's best friend. Yeah. And in between all my TV shows, I did two or three movies, two or three movies, two or three movies. You know, I've had, so, I've done, my career has been so lucky with the quality of movies I've done. Yeah. You know, I've worked with massively great people that I can learn from. Like, like I said, Ivan Reitman, John Landis, Tim Burton, yeah. Oliver Stone. I mean, you know, I've worked with some amazing big directors. So I don't know. I just think, yeah, it all kind of spiraled from certain thing to certain thing, you know? Yeah. So you were on Entourage. I got to ask a quick question since he was on the podcast. What was it like working with Doug Owen? How was that? Well, I, well, I know Doug for 30 years. Oh, did he? He was part of, yeah, he, I know him since 1993. From the first day we got him, he was Rob Weiss's buddy from Long Island. He was an amongst friends kind of guy. You know, he was Rob Weiss's best. They were buddies. They were best friends. They grew up together. And we all used to hang out. That's what I'm saying. Like 93, we would all go to all the bars and all the clubs in LA together. That's how long I know Doug. And then Doug called me one day and said, uh, hey, man, I want you to come uh, be on the show, playing Turtle's cousin. Again, you'll be on in and out. So I did like four or five episodes of that. But the character was so memorable. People love it. Yeah. The shady dude, you know. Yeah. Hey, I can get you a jersey. Hey, I can buy you a bar, you know. <laughs> and Doug kept writing as much as he can. I did a few episodes. But that was when I was doing 24, I think. And they were strict on other TV shows. Yeah. But when I was down, I could do a movie. But they didn't really want you to be on other shows. Yeah. You know, so after two years of 24, then I just went back and I wrote, directed and starred in my film. And I shot it all at the Bronx yep. called Doughboys. Yep. Mike stars in it. Well, my first movie I wrote, directed and started was 1997, but before Fantasy Island, Peter Green was in it. Mike Starr, Jimmy Matteo, like a lot of great people were in that. I was, a, I shot it all at the Roxbury nightclub. Then 10 years later, I did Doughboys in the Bronx after 24. 
Yeah. And, you know, and since then, it's just been, you know, doing all kinds of stuff, you know, movies, TV series. And now I just said, I just worked on the one with MGM. We're about to hopefully get that sold and about out there to shoot that in New York. And it would be about my life growing up in the Bronx, which is great, you know? Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot more deeper in there. So, and so, yeah, other than filming that, what's next? You've got your pasta sauce company coming out. Like, would love to know. Where did you go from being on 24 and Entourage? Like, what's, what was the next steps? You've just continued to take acting gigs and started working on some other stuff or what's kind of- Yeah, you know, I I love business stuff. I love other stuff. You know, I'm passionate about food as much as I am about acting. It's 50-50. So I was approached to do a food line because people like oh my god when you come to our houses you talk about food you're so passionate you told and me i go on moving into a new place you said you're gonna come over and live with us and cook pizzas you just mentioned <laughs> yeah that, so. you better I'm get gonna... a big pizza oven i want <laughs> the flippers the big fun flippers and the pajamas <laughs> your wife's like yo he's up again at four in the morning making pizza again, i don't think my <laughs> wife would mind you being up at four in the morning making pizza hey. <laughs> but so, so what happened was my passion for food and film was started when I was a kid. I grew up in a household with all women. I told you, we had no dads. So we grew up with all women. And that's what makes my, my TV show unique than other crime shows is that it's 14-year-old kids with four women who brought them up. Yeah. The, the, middle of, the middle of the gangster stuff is basically just streaking. So I grew up with all Italian with my grandmother, my mother, my aunt. I learned how to cook since I was a baby. And, and I always do it. I sit home every night now with my daughter to, and cook. So what happened was people started seeing my passion. They were like, hey, man, you, we should do a food line. You think you'd be great. And I was like, great idea. And that's how it evolved. And I started doing the food shows and Taste of Italy downtown LA and having a booth and cooking for people and getting on stage doing cooking demos. And it turns out that I love this, if not more than my TV and film career. Yeah. Like, this is not like, I want to make a quick buck. No. I want to feed people across America. The biggest thing for my company is to bring families back to the dinner table. When I was a kid, we would sit at the table with 10 of us, talking friends, family, everybody from the streets. Our table was the meeting room, and we would sit there for hours. These days, it's sad to say, but parenting is, here's an iPhone, here's McDonald's, shut the fuck up, I worked all day. Yeah. My Lombardi's food's goal is to bring families back. Let's sit with our kids. Let's talk. Let's ask them how school was, how they feeling. Maybe they won't be so pent up and so, you know, in the frustrating point of where kids are today. Yeah. You know, parents don't pay attention. I'm with my daughter all the time. I hate the iPhones. Even when I was waiting for Zoom for you, I'm like emailing. Am I doing it right? <laughs> you know, I'm more of a, I'm more of a people person where I want to interact with you face to face. I want to get on the phone. Yeah. You know, I want to hear you. I want to see if you're really passionate as I am. You yeah. know, you could send exclamation marks and, t- and emails and texts, but are you really passionate? Yeah. You know, and with the food line, I want to feed America. I want to I want have a couple of charities I want to attach, uh, a youth program to feed kids who don't have stuff. I want to do a single mom charity, you know. Yeah, that's there's awesome. There's a lot more. Yeah, When's it there's a lot out? more. When we get to try some? Well, hopefully after we after we do our campaign, then we're going to, you know, go right into production with the food line, you know, with the you know, packaging of the food, which yeah. I am so excited for. Yeah, I've already got distributors calling me, everyone going, we want to help. This is a great idea. We love your message. Your message is strong. It's yeah. at a time now when people need it. And I'm like, that's not a message that I made up. That's a message that I live by. Yeah, which is the authenticity of it. Like when it's a real message that you actually stand behind and you just said it, like, it was off the cuff, but you're going to donate to, you know, single mothers. And like, that's where you came from. Like you were, yes. as you said, this comes from being raised by a single mother that taught you to cook and taught you the importance of family. Yeah. And now look what has inspired you to do now that you've gone through this career. Like, that's awesome. And so 
I really appreciate the time. Got one big question for you. You've given a ton of nuggets here for people, but like, what would be the main thing you'd tell someone that, you know, has dreams to pursue, like someone young that's just getting started that doesn't even know maybe what that dream is? What's your biggest piece of advice there? Never quit, never listen to anyone, and always, always be passionate of what you're doing. Yep. You walk into a room, if I, you're a business guy, if I walk into your room and go, oh, hey, Eric, I'm thinking about doing something, what are you going to say? Yeah. Get the fuck out of here. Where's your energy? But if I walk into your room and go, I'm going to feed America. This is great. And you're like, wow, that's a pretty realistic goal. Like that can, like, wow, I want to, I want to, I want to be with this oh, guy yeah. on this mission. As you said, like, you, you know, enthusiasm. Now I want to feed America too. Let's fucking do it. <laughs> <laughs> we are going to. We're but that's my point is that's what I tell young actors, young business people, young people in general. Because a lot of kids today, Eric, don't have a, a path. Yeah. So they go to school for stuff that they don't really utilize. They, they yep. linger around hoping that they will learn something. But yep. no one goes boom. Very few people have that spark. But yep. I, and, and a lot of people go, oh, my friend said it was a dumb idea. My, I go, don't listen to anyone. Yep. If I would have listened to my buddies in the Bronx, I'd be doing 30 years instead of 30 movies. Yep. Right? Yep. Or 100 movies. So yep. I tell every young person, never quit. Be passionate and get an idea and be strong with it. Veer for creative stuff, but not to not do what you're doing. You know, too many people get influenced negatively. And and sad enough, it's mostly from people's parents and family members. Well, because they come with their own, you know, preconceived notions. Like, that's why I I say it openly. Like, I'm lucky because my dad's an entrepreneur. So his advice to me was swing the bat. Same kind of advice. It's like, keep going for it. You're going to hit something. Just keep going for it. That was the advice. So I'm lucky in that way. Most people hear the opposite for the parents. Like, I don't know. Maybe you should just have a fallback plan or be safe yes. for their kids. And That's the key word is you yeah. eliminate the fallback plan. Yeah. People's parents, you know, well, you need a fallback. What do you mean? So I'm not going to emphasize my energy on my passion and my love, but you want a fallback plan. So you're saying what you're saying with that is you're setting me up to fail. So you expect me to fail. So I have a something else. Yeah. What kind of, what kind of faith do you have in me? Yep. And that's when parents just go, okay, do some, you know, and it is what it is. You support your kids and hopefully they, they go right, you know? Yeah. So I don't know. I just believe that. Yeah, I believe your dad's right. And I was telling you this earlier. Once you stop knocking on doors, no matter how many times that door shuts, you move to the next door, you smile. Yeah. I've been doing my TV series for 22 years, getting it sold. The food line's been a passion my whole life, getting yep. it going, never stopping. You know, you. I remember talking to you years ago about it, you know? Yeah. I know what's funny about you is I know you when you were younger in your college days, and I used to come hang out with you and your buddies in Santa Monica. You're like, hey, we got that limo to downtown. Like, yeah, yeah. What? <laughs> that limo to downtown on New Year's. Yeah, all right. Pictures keep coming up. The memories on Facebook. I'm like, oh my god. And I go, look how long I know him. Like I tell my girlfriend and my daughter, I'm like, I love it because you've always been a great guy. Or else I don't really associate with a lot of people. When you were a kid and you were in college and having your fun, whatever you call it. But as you got older than you are now, you've always been the same genuine person from a young kid to a successful man that you become. And I love it. I love watching you. I love reading your stuff. You inspire me. And I'm like, that's my friend. He was always great. Like, even as a kid, like some kids grow up to be, they could be kids, but then they grow up successful and they kind of have, ah, you know, whatever. I'm around in Hollywood. You are opposite. You're always this. (laughs) Yes. And I respect you. And I, I can't wait to see your next chapter in your life, dude. Thanks, man. You'll be there. We're gonna make. We're gonna feed America. <laughs> yeah, we'll man. The next chapter. <laughs> you'll, you'll be three hundred pounds. I'll be living in your guest house. <laughs> you'll be like Brando. Remember Brando yeah, when he walked course. around his estate with the bathrobe on? <laughs> not a bad life, man. Not a bad life. <laughs> no, not a bad life, dude. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks again for being on Hawk Talk. Oh, great. great to catch up, and we'll talk great soon. To
Yes, you got it, buddy. Thanks, bud. Hawk Media is your outsourced CMO and marketing team. We'll dive into your business for free, identify opportunities in your marketing strategy, then get you teamed up with individual experts, all month-to-month and a la carte. Whether you're looking for a Facebook advertiser, a web designer, or a fractional CMO, we can help you drive growth for your business. We've successfully grown over 2,500 brands, and we're here to help you too. No matter your goal, we've got you covered. To learn more, visit hawkmedia.com. That's hawk with an E, media.com. You've been listening to Hawk Talk. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you're listening in Apple Podcasts, we'd love for you to give us a quick rating for the show. Just tap the number of stars you think this podcast deserves. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.